You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is a Locked On NFL podcast. And as I mentioned over the weekend, I'm bringing you one of my favorite guests to talk to in this business, Mr. Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. Sig, what is shaking, dude? Uh, it's Mardi Gras down here in New Orleans. Uh, the Penguins are flirting with disaster. Oh. It, must, it must be just another regular season for the Penguins. Uh, but in the meantime, football keeps our brain cells a popping. Yeah, it really does. So, okay, first of all, you, I'm not going to glance over the Mardi Gras thing. You just moved to New Orleans, right? So yeah. this is your first as a resident, correct? Yeah, and it's over. It's a tidal wave that picks you up, and if you try to struggle against it, you'll drown. But otherwise, <laughs> it may... It may it may hopefully wash you up on a nice island with some coconuts and, and who knows what else. I've never been, but, but before I hit record, you said there's yeah. one rule, and I didn't know yeah. this rule. I'm a little shocked by it. Yeah, do not urinate outside. Other than and that, it's all good, right? Other than that, everything goes, especially down on Bourbon Street. Uh, but if, if you're caught and you get thrown an OPP for urinating out of doors, then you're not going to get out until after Mardi Gras over, until Ash Wednesday. That's a really? long time. From, wow. Yeah. Okay, I would I would have probably fallen victim for that one. And I'd public service out. announcement. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, you just put out your Bloom 100, and we're going to get to that in a minute. It's a, a top 100 list. I will have you explain that here in a minute. Yeah. Um, I've been a guest on your podcast on the couch quite a few times. If our listeners are not subscribed to that one, you absolutely should be. He has great guests, including myself, on from time to time. And before we get into the Bloom 100, though, something I think you have a great take on is how the fantasy community and the NFL community are starting to really overlap. You know, analytics have really filtered through the the fantasy community, and there's so many really smart dudes out there that aren't just saying, uh, start, you know, this Le'Veon Bell on Sunday. I mean, there's so much in-depth, and it's really filtering over. It's interesting because, Matt, you talk about our shows, um, the Audible, and you're a former scout. I remember 10, 11, 12 years ago when we had beat writers on the Audible, Mm -hmm. we would not use the word fantasy. Fantasy was like the children's table, you know. Can I stop you super quick because you're going to love this. Yeah. I got hired at ESPN straight from the Browns. And like years, I I spent 10 years there. It was great. And by my second year, I'm feeling comfortable. I go over to the fantasy people. I'm like... Hey, I've been playing fantasy a long time. Why don't I start writing some fantasy stuff too? Matt, are you kidding? You were a scout in the league. That's yeah. beneath you. We, no. There's no way we'd ask you to do that. Then like five years later, they're selling insider subscriptions like crazy. Hey, Matt, how about some fantasy stuff? Mm-hmm. You know? So mm-hmm. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I thought no. you'd get a kick out of that. I mean, that's, that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. So fantasy was considered, um, you know, a Dungeons and Dragons for football nerds. <laughs> right, right. like that. And since then, they've, understood and it's grown to drive a lot more interest in the league and i'll I'll borrow from uh, our mutual friend evan silva and how he said that fantasy analysts are the best football analysts and i I think a lot of some of the best football analysts are fantasy analysts because as he said we're looking at everything we're taking everything we're not prejudiced against any way of analyzing football now that's weird defenses and offensive lines it's not right right or analytics, or watching film, or anything that can give you an edge, anything that can help you understand the game better and predict it with more accuracy, 
And, uh, you know, we're still looking at the stats, which in and of themselves are imperfect measures of the game. There is no perfect measure of the game. Every stat, you know, quarterback wins uh, is about more than the quarterback, but every stat is about more than the player that we apply it to. Mm -hmm. So we'll use everything. And it's a lot of really smart, smart people. Like just on a football guy staff, you know, we've got um, a hedge fund manager, um, lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, people that in and their – uh, And <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> And Cecil, who's <laughs> Mr. Football, you see, Cecil wears that NFL shield, and I feel like he would be as, as good a representative of the NFL and his excitement and his enthusiasm. And that's really the thing is fantasy drives a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of interest. And I, I think it's fun because it just gives us an opportunity to continue to talk about this game, which is so complex and interesting that, you know, like I said, there's never a shortage of things. Even in February, Matt, there was this past week uh, where what there was the Kyler Murray news. Uh, there was the news about Kareem Hunt. There was, I mean, just a regular off-season week with nothing is happening is still interesting. Yeah, especially around Pittsburgh, dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the Pens. For those that don't know, to pull back the curtain, Sig grew up outside of Pittsburgh, Steeler fan, Pens fan, Pirates fan. Um, we have that in common. And uh, just to touch on it super quick before we get into the Bloom 100, I mean, AB's going to be gone. Bell's yep. going to be gone. Yep. <sighs> I'm starting to look at it through an optimistic view, though, that maybe the culture change, the sweeping offseason, more picks than usual, might ha might bear fruit long term to change the locker room and the culture. You would hope. And I think right. it's a natural view. rebalancing, right? There's good things about Mike Tomlin. I think in some ways the team taking on Mike Tomlin's personality helps in those games against teams that are equal or superior to the Steelers. They're yeah. confident, they're cool, they're calm, just like him. Uh, but then sometimes they can be overconfident. And then also, it, it, Tomlin, and I'm sure you probably have told a story or two on your show about this, that Mike Tomlin will like come down to the block party and have beers with you. Like, he'd be perfect at Mardi Gras. You know, oh, yeah. He'd be hanging out with everybody. He has no airs about him as some superior guy because he's an NFL head coach, he he's a man of the people and maybe he's a man of the people with his team, but that has gone a little too far and some things have gotten out of balance. And maybe by November, December, like you said, a new culture can take hold and it can be a bit of a wake up call, but that still doesn't address the problems with the defense, which I'm afraid Mike Tomlin, the coach, not the leader is maybe getting a little too involved in, in some of those deficiencies. So, you know, we've had a nice long, second renaissance here that through the Cowher years and the early Tomlin years. And maybe it's time for the Steelers to have to climb the mountain a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny though. I didn't want to talk Steelers. I want to talk bloom 100, but you mentioned how Tomlin's a man of the people and then, you know, and how teams take on their, the face and the persona of their coach. It's also true with the quarterback. And I'm not so Ugh. sure seven's a man of the people. Well, especially in the locker room. Right. And I think that's the thing is there's some tension there and winning cures everything. But when you're not winning, all of a sudden these stories start to come out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I hear you there. Hey, folks, I've been telling you that you can get this podcast on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts. And what I need you to do now is when you get in the car, I need you to do me a favor and tell your smart device to play podcast locked on NFL. That's something we're pushing real heavy to start listening to the whole Locked On Network. Locked On NFL Draft is booming right now, too. Uh, in your car. It's a real easy way. And that's all I ever listen to in my car, to be very honest with you. So we're going to be back in a moment to dig into Sigmund's Bloom 100. We'll be right back. All right, Sig. Give us a 
a definite. What is the Bloom 100? Yeah. I'm sure there's some people here that haven't heard of it. So sure. tell me what it is. Well, and this is for those of you that you like fantasy, you like you're playing DFS lineups every week, and you're still looking for more. Because mm-hmm. all the way back when I started playing fantasy football, which was about 20 years ago now, I think. Uh, Were you like me I, and did it? You know, USA Today and sure, yeah, and, okay, and scoring it, yeah, and and we got into leagues where I loved IDP leagues. I loved mm-hmm. having have I had lineups. You know, where we would have 20 teams and you'd have 40 players on your roster that you'd sign to contracts against a, a salary cap. It, it would, we would keep it all on text documents and Yahoo groups. And uh, we actually even had a league, Matt, if you can imagine this, where you had one franchise and we played all four sports. So it was like an omni wow. fantasy. Yeah, it was really cool. And And there was no coverage out there of those deep players, especially because we could sign players to $1 contracts when they were undrafted free agents and things like that, of the deep players, the players that, again, those third-day draft picks, well, second day back then, uh, the undrafted free agents, the players lower on the depth chart that might be getting a shot in a year or two, and also leagues that ranked fantasy players, rookies, offense and defense mixed for your rookie drafts. I I didn't find anything out there, and this is one of those things where I'm sure you get the same questions, Matt, like, how can I get started? I'm really interested. I want to make content. What can I do? Do something that no one else is doing, and Mm -hmm. there's still plenty of things out there that nobody else is doing, even though coverage has mushroomed into, you know, a hundredfold of what I'm talking about. So I just made a ranking of my top 100 players, offense and defense mixed. So those questions in those leagues and folks listening that play in these leagues know what I'm talking about, but it's kind of like the NFL draft. Like, do you take that uh, second tier running back over the top tier linebacker? Or is this defensive end, Miles Garrett, so good that you might take him over one of the top tier tight ends or quarterbacks? And depending on your league and your settings, it can change. And it's really a stab at it. And I'll say this too. Back when I started doing the Blue 100 in 05 or 06, Matt, I was a big proponent of talent. Talent trumps everything. Talent creates opportunity. And my pre-draft evaluation of these players was 80 or 90% of my post-draft ranking. Now, depending on where they land, the pre-draft evaluation might only be 20 or 30%. I think situation Mm -hmm. is more important than ever. And I think we're also seeing the game open up. So players that we might have rejected, you know, the five, seven hundred sixty pound slot receiver. Well, now these guys can be bigger players in offenses. The game is changing and doing this kind of exercise every year forces you before they land on teams to look at players and think about how they're going to apply in the NFL. Yeah, that's really well said. And my audience, I don't know. how. I assume most of you listening play some sort of fantasy, but it's not a fantasy show. We don't talk fantasy here. Right. But this list doesn't matter so much with fantasy. I mean, there's 100 uh, incoming rookies at all positions, no linemen, offensive linemen. But I wanted to just highlight some of these guys for our listeners because you have a great feel for them. Uh, I'm heading to Indy tomorrow, and a lot of these names, I think, are going to start to become more household. So I just wanted to highlight yeah. a few of these, if that's cool with you. Absolutely, because yeah. this is the time that we're all still educating ourselves. Yes, and everyone can find this 100, top 100 list on at footballguys.com. I've done some writing there in the past. It's an awesome site. You have to subscribe, um, and SIG's all over it, of course. And so I'm not just going to roll down the list and you know reveal everything, but I highlighted a handful of players that I want to know more about or yeah. aren't you know household names, like I said, Started with number seven on your list, Daryl Henderson, a running back from Memphis. Coach me up on him. 
Yeah, and and everything, by the way, football guys, everything is free mm-hmm. until like mid-July, folks. So come on over. We're going to have a lot of off-season content, draft content, covering free agency and everything. Daryl Henderson, yeah, what well, you have to like about him, um, I think in, in, in my notes, it's like he uh, has that combination of long speed, but he can win collisions too. He can okay. be lone man. So he can – he can gather and prepare for you, – you think of guys that can break 70, 80-yard runs, and you think of pure speed backs or maybe backs that are elusive, but not necessarily a guy who's going to run someone over on the way to the end zone. And that's what he can do. He just runs hot. And I think that he's functional in other parts of the game enough to think of him as a lead back. But we think – I think more and more, Matt, the NFL is finally understanding that chunk plays – are the name of the game. I mean, yes, it's great I to agree. grind out a 13 or 14 play drive. You, you got to have a mode where your offense can do that, but you have to have um, uh, your offense should be able to create chunk plays with regularity. And you see in Daryl Henderson, a running back who just within the context of your bread and butter running game can create chunk plays. Okay. Yeah. That's very important. I think he's coming in the league at the right time. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. The 12th guy on your list is somebody I know that the fantasy dynasty community has been really familiar with. I host another podcast, the, the Dynasty Blueprint, and Nikhil Harry's been brought up a lot over the last year or two. And then it seemed like his star kind of faded a little, but lately I see a lot more buzz about him from Arizona State. Yeah. This is going to be interesting, Matt, how we see the top of the board at wide receiver sort out. Because you're heading to Indy. DK Metcalf should be a seen stealer there, should probably install himself as the number one receiver, uh, both on our fantasy rankings and in NFL rankings, because of his ceiling, because mm-hmm. of how rare his combination of traits are. But after that, there's a lot of variety. Um, you have... Bigger, a bigger receiver like Hakeem Butler. I saw Hakeem Butler's working with Calvin Johnson. That oh, I did me. see that too. That's great. That's that's exciting. That's what you want um, to see. You have some. You have speed guys. You know, Marquise Brown. That foot. That's going to be an interesting story there. You've got a, uh, someone who can create a lot of separation, get open, like uh, Debo Samuel. Riley Ridley from Georgia is kind of in the same mold as DK Metcalf in the sense that the production might not be there, but he's with a talented group of wide receivers and the projection, his traits, his physical abilities to go with skills that he's shown is much higher than what he showed at Georgia. Then you have this trio of receivers, um, AJ Brown and Kelvin Harmon and, uh, and kill Harry who don't necessarily create a lot of separation. Uh, you know, especially with Harry and Harmon, when one of the things we highlight in the scouting report is wins a lot of contested balls. Maybe the way the NFL is going now, it's more important to not have contested balls in college. To be able to separate separation, you know, that guy that wins on the end zone fade. Well, that play is becoming a less important play in the playbook. So (laughs) again, I want to stop you real quick because my three years at Pitt, we had Antonio Bryant my first year and we had Larry the next two years. And I've often said we could put it up on the scoreboard. Hey, Rod Rutherford's going to throw a fade to Larry, you know, (laughs) like and best of luck stopping it. And we scored oodles of points doing that. But those type of receivers, with all respect to Fitzgerald and Alshon Jeffrey and all those type of guys, they're not coming into the league and lighting it up. It's the Cooper Cups, the Jujus, the route runners, you know, that seem to be succeeding early in the NFL. And, and that's where Harry's stock becomes real interesting. Right. Because he can win above the rim. He's physical. He's got 
edge to his game, but he's not going to be someone who creates a lot of separation. Um, he's not going to be a receiver that translates as a technician in the NFL. And what's another thing that's fun about the draft is it's self-sorting. Hopefully, if the teams are rational and seeing things clearly, teams should be taking players where they say, we've got a plan for this type of receiver. We can make the most out of this type of receiver. Uh, so it sh- hopefully he'll end up with a team that or, and a quarterback. And this is where it's crucial, right? Because some quarterbacks are fine with throwing 50-50 balls. They're fine with throwing receivers open. And other quarterbacks, I think, function more within the system and need to see receivers open, like an Alex Smith or someone like that, right. more so. Uh, so that's going to be something to watch. You know, where, where there's some of these receivers, I can say, you know, someone like Debo Samuel, I think, is going to translate in any offense, which is about any kind of quarterback. I'm not as sure about Harmon and Harry. And, and that's why... I'm in a more of a wait and see than I am, say, on, you know, of course, someone like uh, DK Metcalf and and Butler, who I like because he has that long limb frame, but he's also explosive. And those can be those receivers can be impossible to stop in the NFL. So people that are unfamiliar, you update this a couple times, right? You're Bloom 100. Yeah, and I update it even as I go. Because to be perfectly honest, I'm doing research. I've I've at least watched some of all these players to mm-hmm. give that get that initial idea in my head. But I'm always going back and watching more, reading what people are writing, people like yourself, everybody who's also in this task of evaluating these players. And then after, and so I'll continually update it until the draft. But then the draft can turn it completely upside down. You know, for instance, Matt maybe the seventh or eighth ranked running back on our board before the draft. If that running back is a Kansas City chief, he's probably going to be our number one fantasy running back. Yeah. They can move that much, you know, I mean, just because of situation and because, you know, and and say if Josh Jacobs lands somewhere like Jacksonville or something, and look, anything can happen in the draft, whatever, matter how crazy of the thing you come up with there, but every time in the, every draft, there's at least one thing that happens that we say, Whoa, nobody see that. that. Yeah. Nobody could have possibly predicted that. So that's going to shake things up too. So it's it, it it there's this is constantly fluid in emotion. And the fun part of this is just getting to know these guys. So you know the opening chapter to the story when it starts to unfold in the summer and in their first season. Yeah, and it sounds like Harry's landing spot could really influence him, positive or negative. And mm-hmm. your seventeenth player, Travion Williams, a running back from Texas A and M. I was a little shocked you had him this high, so I put him in bold. And I would think he, he landing spots would be important for him too, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I've got Travion Williams and Devin Singletary right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and, and having them 17th and 18th early on, it indicates again like kind of wait and see, right? Because on one hand, you have undersized backs with especially good pass catch abilities like um, Tariq Cohen. It's really a, a, that time in the league for the players like that, uh, James white and James Williams from Washington state's interesting in that mold where, Hey, he's not going to do much as a runner, but he can do a lot as a receiver and that James white has made himself uh, relevant in fantasy leagues and NFL circles doing that. But Williams and Singletary are more runners. Um, Singletary, what separates him, I think from the traditional undersized back. And let me say this, Matt looming over this, whether, whether it's the passing down guy like Duke Johnson or more of the runner like Amir Abdullah, the goat, their ghosts are there. Like, ooh, because these are running backs right. that look like they look like really good running backs in college. And Duke Johnson, when you watch him, he still looks really good. Can't generate any fantasy value. Probably isn't going to happen in that on that Cleveland team. Uh, Amir Abdullah is 
a, a free agent who, I mean, who knows when he's going to get signed. He might be waiting until the summer to get signed after being a second round pick. So those undersized backs can give us pause. But what Devin Singletary has is a combative nature and a never say die attitude at, at, at contact. He rides, he really battles. Important. I mean, he, he breaks tackles and gets yards after contact in a way that a smaller back shouldn't be able to. And Travion Williams is a great pass blocker. I don't know if there's a better pass blocker at running back than Josh Jacobs, at least in terms of impact, like true impact on his pass blocking reps. But Travion Williams, what you like about this is he seems to have a zest for it. I mean, this is a guy that you feel comfortable with as your last line of defense uh, when you have those deep balls and the running back has to identify the blitz has to stand that guy up and give the quarterback enough room to step into a deep throw. He can do it again and again and again, which I think will get him on the field as a rookie. And it's just talking about the burst, that initial burst Williams has that. So I'm not sure if either of Singletary or Williams will ever be lead backs in the NFL, but they each have something that should keep them on the field more than the usual undersized back, which, you know, now like that five, nine, 200 pound back. They're not theoretic. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, we're going to be back here in another minute. Um, Sig has a group of wide receivers in the early twenties on his bloom 100. I think are really interesting here too. So we'll be back in one moment. Okay, these these are some guys to me that are not household names. You have Mecole Hardman from Georgia at 20, Penny Hart, a wide receiver from Georgia State at 21, Tyree Brady at 22 from Marshall, Emmanuel Hall from Missouri at 23, who I hear could burn the 40, mm. and Jalen Hurd, who's he's the running back that played ahead of Kamara at Tennessee, right? Yeah, and he's still playing. He was still playing running back. Yeah, and now he's a wide receiver at Baylor. So those are twenty through twenty-four. Let's just kind of hang with that group for a little bit. Oh yeah, Yeah. no, no. And you had you you got great intuition here, uh, Matt, because really, my the players one through nineteen, even though the orders might be different than a lot of people. Uh, are going to be this roughly the same players. Like if you look at anybody okay. doing a similar list, or even if you just take out the, the linebackers and Nick Bosa, and you just look at the top 15 or so offensive players, I think anybody doing a dynasty rookie rankings right now, we're going to share at least 13 or 14 of those names. After you get past that kind of consensus group is where I get to some of the guys that have been my favorites early on. That's the beauty of this list, folks. You know, right. That's why there's 100 is a big number. And it also, I think that with rookie draft rankings, there's no reason to try to be consensus because there's rookie draft rankings out there that will reflect the. I'll give you an example. Like last year, I had Rashad Penny. I actually dropped him like out of my top 10 or top 12 after the draft, even though he was a first round pick. And I was actually wrong. My reasons were wrong. It was because I thought the Seattle running game, I mean, I'm not going to trust them to turn it around. They actually did, but they also had this guy, Chris Carson, who stole the show. Anyway, my point is, you should have variety. You should take a stand for your guys and not be afraid to to ha- have an outlier ranking because the reality is you take that consensus ranking and look at it two or three years down the line, and a lot of it's going to be very wrong. So th- it's not like it's going to protect you from a bad take if you just are conservative with your rankings. Okay, so I'll touch on these guys quickly because there's so much to talk on. Yeah, uh, just give me a uh, sentence or two on he, each. Michael Hardman is basically Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can add that same element, that same – Not, and I don't mean – as impactful as Tyreek Hill, but the same kinds of plays. You know, what they hoped that uh, Tavon Austin was going to be. Penny Hart, there's a lot of undersized wide receivers 
wide receivers again that would not have been given a chance maybe 10 years ago to be impact players in the NFL. And Andy Isabella from UMass, is, they're going to love him. He's another one who could light up the 40. Yeah. Uh, but I love Hart, his ability to play under control, but at top speed. And I don't know why he was left off the combine list. When you're in Indy, ask around. Yeah, that's have, crazy to me too. I have no idea. Tyree Brady down at Marshall, what I like about him is that he's big and he 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 plays big, but he's fluid. And he has that combination that is really difficult to defend because he can be he can be a, a banger or rugged, but he can also run precise routes and win at the catch point. Uh, he, I, I like him as someone uh, as a, uh, a sleeper to become a number one, a kind of a do everything wide receiver. You mentioned Emmanuel Hall. Everyone's going to talk about him. The speed is there. We'll see if some other things can come along. It isn't as raw as, say, Paris Campbell. He's another one at Ohio State who's he's way down in my view. I say you're because, really list or really low on the list, yeah. Because at the sp- speed's great, but there has to be an application. NFL offense is more than just a few manufactured touches or go routes. I'm not sure about that. And Jalen Hurd, and he's one of the most fascinating, Matt, because he's 6'4", 225, 230, and he's new to the wide receiver position. But he looks like he's getting the hang of it already. This isn't your typical Baylor receiver that has the physical tools, but you take him out of the Baylor offense, and he's not going to work in the NFL. I actually see him for a big guy be able to sink his hips and create a snap in his breaks. But he can still be used as a short yardage running back. And I love the idea, Matt. I think right now the NFL is going. That's why I love TJ Hawkinson. That's why I love Josh Jacobs. I think the NFL is going in the direction on offense where you want to have 11 guys out there so you can get a look at the package and the, and the way the defense is aligned and then change the formation to put them at a disadvantage. So players that can do more than one thing well are players that can give offensive minds an, an advantage. So I like the idea that they have Jalen Hurd like lined up as a short yards back, and then when they're in their heavy set on defense, put him out wide to want to go route. Right, that's crazy. Person. Right. He and can I, still I, do both, right. Absolutely. I, I bet Belichick loves him. I mean, it's almost like aligning Aaron Hernandez in the backfield and handing him the ball, you know, but he's much better runner than Hernandez ever was, you know? Yeah. Or Cordero Patterson usage, you know, really two, two spot players. All right. I want to end this show, Sig, and this one's a little different. It doesn't have a fantasy spin. Corners are not going to be high on the bloom 100, but there's a chance a corner goes number 20 to our hometown Steelers. And you have Byron Murphy at 83 and Deandre Baker at 84. I think there's a really good chance. One of those two ends up in Pittsburgh. And I would welcome that. Uh, yeah, that, me too. That, at this point, as a Steelers fan, when the first round name, I have a list of names, Matt. I just have a list of names. Like, I, as long as it's one of these seven or eight names, I can go to sleep tonight. As, and, 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 I know, have those but, two in Bush. I got Byron Baker and Bush. We need uh, to replenish yeah. the killer bees. But that would be Bush would be. I mean, this there's that's the other thing is that, that inside linebacker and mm-hmm. hey maybe Ryan Shazier will continue to get some new, good news about him and we've already we've got a lot of good news. But um, you know Murphy and Baker are going to be uh, guys that can mirror uh, early in route stems. Um, you know they 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 can be good in man on man coverage. Um, they can allow the defense to blitz more. They I think they can be left out on an island. Uh, and I think they can both be instant starters. So it, absolutely, uh, if they end up with Byron Murphy, I think that would be an excellent fit for them, an instant upgrade, and time to look to the future, really. You know, Joe Hayden you know, getting the last bit of good football out of him. It's great, but at the same time, uh, this, I just 
I wonder about some of these picks that they've been making mm-hmm. on defense, Matt, where, you know, they, they get um, a Sean Davis, uh, um, Burns. Burns, and yeah. and Edmonds. And, okay, I get it. These guys are athletes. But eventually they have to become football players. And maybe, just like they did when the, the pendulum swung back. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Jarvis Jones is a producer. Let's take him in the first round. Whiff. Bud Dupree, okay, he's got all the measurables. Let's take him in the first round. Whiff. And then finally <laughs> TJ Watt falls to them. He's got the measurables, and he can play. Uh, and I feel like maybe a defensive back, the Steelers need to come back and be like, it's great. You know, they had one year, Matt, where they're like, we just want guys who can get interceptions. Okay, that's something to look at, but not a way to organize your draft. So if Murphy falls to them at 20, it should be easy. Yeah, and I would think Baker would be – I prefer Murphy, but I think Baker would be a nice consolation prize to good football players. Absolutely. Sig, you're the man. That's a wrap. Um, everyone must check out the Bloom 100 and follow you on Twitter. What's your Twitter again? Sigmund Bloom, S-I-G-M-U-N-D-B-L-O-O-M. As well as the On the Couch podcast. That's a great one. Subscribe to that as well. And spread the word about this one. I will not be back tomorrow. I am traveling to Indy all day Tuesday. But I will be doing what I can Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I will get as much to you guys as possible. So that is a wrap over and out.